0: This is the Luke 10-2 podcast, a conversation about preaching, planting, and leading with Noah Oldham. Noah, today we're going to continue... A new series that we're doing called the Influential Leader Series. Yeah. And it's always cool. You talk about somebody who has influenced you, mm-hmm. and then what's great about that is we get to learn from their example. Yeah. So, who do you want to talk about today?
1: Today, I want to talk about a gal named Marilyn Ellis. Uh, Marilyn uh, from Southeastern Illinois, she was my third and fourth grade Sunday school teacher. And what's really cool about Marilyn is Marilyn not only was my teacher, she started teaching that same class before I was in third or fourth grade, which is about 30 years ago. And as far as I know, she's still teaching that same class. I visited home a couple years ago, went to a church service, and she was still teaching that class. And so for 30 years plus, she has been equipping children to know and love the word of God and, and to follow him. So I want to talk about her and see examples she leaves for us.
0: That's awesome. So what was it about her that stands out to you?
1: Yeah. So the first thing that stands out to me about Marilyn, the things that, that, uh, and I talk about her all the time. I tell her story to people in our church all the time. Uh, the, the number one thing is longevity is that, that ability to say, I'm going to give myself week in and week out. So Remember, this is the Sunday school model before the trend of churches getting rid of Sunday school and just doing multiple services. And so that 930 hour, that hour before the worship service at 1045, she's in there each and every week preparing, not as paid staff, not not getting any money to do this. She's preparing week in and week out to, to teach kids the Bible, to train them to understand Scripture, to memorize it, and then to go on. Uh, to grow in their knowledge and love and follow Christ. So, I mean, think about that. 30 years of doing that consistently. It's a long time. It's longer it's a,
0: than I've been alive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, longer than your life. And she wouldn't just show up and teach Sunday school. I mean, she would prepare. She would prepare and have object lessons. And she would have a plan. And she she did this week in and week out, uh, not only when the church was small, but I started going to church there about those same years of third or fourth grade. It was growing from a church of less than than a hundred, up to several hundred people in the course of years, I believe she was one of the catalysts for that, that kind of stuff happening in the church. But she, she taught that class when it got much larger and even much larger, when it went to a church that was over a thousand every week, teaching children in the same class, not looking for um, more notoriety, not looking for a larger spot, but saying, this is my lane and I'm going to run it. So, so number one is just longevity in the same lane, It's long obedience in the same direction.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, the second thing that the second thing that I, I, I love about Maryland, I, I talk about other people, is her intentionality. So longevity. Second is intentionality. Um, Maryland didn't just teach us Sunday school. Maryland taught us specific things about the Bible so that we could have a foundation set for us. I still have in my my box of trophies and whatnots from growing up a plaque from where I memorize the Ten Commandments, and then trophies from when I memorize the books of the New Testament and then the books of the Old Testament. Like, I know that there are 27 and 39 books, and I know what they are in the order that they're in, not because of seminary, because of third grade Sunday school class. She incentivized us by saying, hey, I want to give every kid that does this, I'm going to get you a plaque. Every kid that memorized the books of the Bible, I'm going to get you a trophy, and I'm going to put you up in front of the church, and I'm going to hand these trophies to you. And it's going to be a graduation of sorts. And everybody's going to say, this, these are the things that we care about, knowing these things. And she did that, as far as I know, on her own dime. She didn't ask for a Sunday school budget. She didn't ask for the church to really get behind this. She said, this is my call. And she was super intentional about that.
0: That's incredible. How have you seen that principle play out in your leadership today? That principle of celebrating things that are valuable, um, being intentional about um, helping people see this is what matters
1: here. Yeah. What's the principle you, you hear about church planting and leadership all the time? It's what you celebrate, you become. Whatever you celebrate, people are going to rise to. And so if you celebrate baptism in a big way, people are going to be like, I want to be a part of that. I want to see baptisms happen. And so she knew if we celebrate this, we've incentivized this, these kids are going to work hard to memorize the Ten Commandments. They're going, to, they're going to work hard to memorize the books of the Bible. Now, they say, well, that's trivial. Does that really matter? We really want to incentivize just memorization. Isn't that behavior modification? Uh, maybe. But most third or fourth grade kids aren't even Christians yet. But all of a sudden, they know the context of Scripture. And she's teaching us about the books of the Bible. She's teaching us what they are and who they're from, and what they're about, and the Ten Commandments giving us this basis of the law of God to build on. So when we're introduced to the gospel, we understand the standard that God has set. I mean, she set such a foundation in my life. I grew up in church, most of my life not following Christ. But she was one of those people that was setting that gospel foundation. So one day, when it all clicked, when the Holy Spirit opened my heart to the gospel, I was able to respond with this foundation. Not everybody is going to have the call to rise in the ranks of leadership in the church, become a senior pastor. Not everybody's going to be on staff. Not everybody's going to be this leader that gets on the stage. But everybody has a call in the church. And she embraced that call. She embraced it and she walked in it week in and week out, year in and year out. And she's now an example for me as I... Uh, in my church is we are moving to two services and we're expanding our leadership pool, and we need more people serving in kids. We need people owning classrooms. What I'm doing now is I'm telling her story. Leaders leave a legacy by leaving a mark. Marilyn doesn't know I'm going to do a podcast about her. She may never listen to this. Most people will never ever get to meet her. But she left such a profound mark on my life. That as I tell people, here's what we need in our church in this next season. We need a dozen Marilyn Ellises. We need people who will say, that is a strategic need in our church. I will not only embrace it. I'll embrace it for as long as God calls me to embrace it. I will do it with excellence. I bet there were weeks that she had to come and serve through sickness, through a hard week. She was probably tired, didn't want to get out of bed. But she did. She was there. She was prepared. She taught us. And there are dozens and dozens, hundreds, hundreds of adults today that have been impacted by her faithfulness to say, I will lead where God has placed me to lead.
0: I think that's huge. And um, right now at our church, we're preparing to preach through the book of Colossians. Mm -hmm. Um, And in chapter one and chapter four, Paul mentions this man, Epaphras, Mm -hmm. who is from Colossae. He's a, uh, Paul describes him as a faithful minister. Yeah. And we see that his faithfulness was, uh, in chapter 4, Paul says that his faithfulness was his prayer for them. Mm. And, um, and he, he says, I want you to know how hard he's working, but he's also working fiercely to pray for you. Yeah. Um, and I think about that, you know, in church culture, we make heroes so many times out of, I'll use you as an example, of the Noah Oldhams who preach... large groups have large um, churches that they build who do all of these big things that are very public Um, Mm -hmm. but underneath those things and we we need those people that's not to to diminish that I think sometimes those people get um, criticized for just being faithful to their lane sure Um, but we need people who are in these other lanes that are less visible that are more Mm -hmm. behind the scenes that are doing just the faithful work of whatever they're called to yeah and um, that makes me think now um, you talk about using Marilyn's story um, to cast vision. You're, you're basically doing what Marilyn did with the trophies for memorizing the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Um, you're just using Marilyn as the, the vision for mm-hmm. your church to say, hey, let's, mm-hmm. let's be like this. Let's be like this. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking... We could do that. And that's a way, um, it's not only a way of helping people catch a vision for what is possible, but it's also a way of celebrating the just faithful behind the scenes Mm -hmm. ministers. Exactly. Like Epaphras, you know?
1: Yeah, and and so my, my challenge for people from this episode is I want people, I want every listener, I want the average person in the church to listen to this episode, and I want them to aspire to be like Marilyn. I want them to say, okay, God, um, I may not believe you for, any, for anything else, uh, but I want to believe you for this. I want, I want this to be my call. I want this to be my lane. I want to embrace this with everything I have. And so I kind of come up with a, um, you know, three words that rhyme um, because I'm a Baptist preacher, so I do things like that I to say, like, like, become a Maryland. Here's how you do it. Number one is you have to dare to believe that you can make an impact. And Marilyn taught third and fourth grade Sunday school for years. Uh, Marilyn taught at church camp every year. She'd come down and set up her classroom, and her classroom was always uh, to the nines. I mean, she just prepared so well and really cared about. It. So you, you've, got to, you've got to dare to believe that you can make an impact. I mean, Marilyn uh, was also a guidance counselor at the local uh, admissions counselor at the local community college. She, she poured into people, but she dared to believe that she had a role to play in the local church, and she embraced that. And she didn't just embrace that, she embraced peripheral things as well. So you've got to dare to believe that God can use you, that God has a call for you, and you can step out and you can do it. So many people today think, my life's too busy. Marilyn was raising two daughters. Marilyn had a husband who worked a full-time job and was a leader in our local church as well. Marilyn was busy. But Marilyn dared to believe that the church, her role in the local church, was of utmost importance. And so she gave herself to it. She spent hours, I'm sure, in the evenings throughout the week studying to prepare for class. She dared to believe it was worth it. So number one, you've got to dare to believe God's got a call for you that you can embrace. Number two, you've got to care. You've got to care about people. Marilyn a number of times could have said, okay, no, I've done done my part. I'm done. I can retire from this. And maybe she will someday. She probably needs to because she's going to get to a place where... she needs to be cared for and poured into and, and have a season of rest perhaps, but I dare to believe she's going to continue to serve the Lord in whatever way she can until the Lord calls her home. Um, but you've got to care about people. My memories of Marilyn weren't just that she gave us trophies and, uh, and taught our class. Marilyn hugged all of us. Marilyn spoke to us all with dignity. Marilyn believed in us. She would inspire us. memorize these things. It did not matter if you were the smartest kid in the class or the kid who didn't understand scripture at all. She believed in you and she let you know that by caring for you and calling you by your name and hugging you and embracing you. And still to this day, if I see her, I know she'd hug me and I know she would say something kind to me. She'd pat me as she's hugging me. That's just who she is. Leaders, real influencers, they dare to believe that God's got a call for them they can embrace and they care for people. Because what, what are we seeing now, Nate? So many leaders that rise in leadership, and what do they stop doing? They stop caring about people. They start using people to get to the next place. And so, leader, you're listening. I don't care if your ambition and your stewardship, your call is to be a leader of a huge mega church. Don't stop caring for people. You've got to care for people. Dare to believe that God's got a call for you, and step into that. If it's if it's leading tens or it's leading ten thousands. But also, you've got to care for people. Embrace that call uh, to to love people because of the Imago Day, And lastly is share, is to, to do what Scripture says and share not only the Word of God, but your life as well. Marilyn was the kind of person that shared her life, that she shared her own resources. Those trophies, those plaques, that time, that was her life. That was her stuff. It was her pouring out. Um, I wonder how many times we don't walk in the call God has for us. We don't step out and use our gifts, or take an opportunity in ministry because it's going to cost us something personally. Well, the church doesn't have a budget for that, so I'm not going to do it. Or, or that's going to cause me to have to dip into my own budget, and so I'm, God must not be calling me to that. But you've got to be willing to share not only the Word of God, but your own life as well. So Scripture tells us like, that, that's the ambition, to share your life as well. I spent uh, hours in Marilyn's house, not just uh, as a student uh, in her classroom, uh, they would often host parties at their house for the church. They kind of eventually, where the church ended up building, was just down the gravel road from their house, which was really cool. But even when I was a student pastor there, uh, they would host hay rides on their property and get their barn all decked out and let us come and, and use their property. Um, they would do, I remember one of my first uh, events at Little Chapel, the church that she's at and I grew up in, um, was a, a party that they had hosted. And she was having those parties a couple decades later. I was a kid, probably eight or nine years old, and then um, 20 years later, you know, I'm there at her house doing things as well. And so it's just that ability and that willingness to share your life as well. And what we see is leaders grow and influence. Not only do they stop caring for people, they stop sharing their life. We become more and more isolated. Well, well we, we need to protect ourselves. You know, and I get If you get influenced, you're going to be the crazy social media stuff, people stalking you. If if that's happening, I understand. But a lot of times it just people are like, you know what? I just don't want to be around the common folk anymore. We separate ourselves and we shut ourselves off. We shut ourselves from care and accountability. We shut ourselves out from the reality of the local church. And and that's something that, that Marilyn didn't do as a leader. She opened her home up. She kept opening it up. She poured out in longevity and intentionality. And because of that, there is a train of people in her wake that will say she impacted my life. That I'm I'm here where I'm at in, in my walk with the Lord partly because she uh, she not only dared to believe she cared about me and she shared not only the word of God but her life as well.
0: I think the train the uh, I forget exactly how you said that, but there's this train of people in her wake. I think is what she said. Um, talk about that a little bit more because. Um, you didn't do a podcast about the impact that she made in your life when you were in fifth grade after you graduated from her class, right? right? Mm-hmm. You're doing the podcast now 30 years later. Yeah. Um, talk about how, um, and that, that speaks a little bit to the longevity piece that you spoke about, but um, talk about how we're not always positioned to see um, the fruit that yeah. um, might come of the yeah. seeds that we plant
1: think there's a couple things at play there. Number one is we generally only eulogize people once they die. Uh, we, we, we save all the good stuff we have to say for when they'll never hear us. Funerals are for the living, not for the dead. And so I made an ambition a few years ago to start telling people what I think about them now positive things. If I can't say something nice, we won't say anything at all. But, but I want to make sure people know that I love them and appreciate them and the impact they've had on my life now so they can actually benefit from it. So it's not this whole Ray Bolts thing when I get to heaven, uh, then I come up and shake your hand and sing, thank you for giving to the Lord. But instead, we get to experience that now. Um, so I think it's part of that. Just as a culture, we don't do a good job of honoring people and telling them the impact. But I think the second part of that is we don't realize the things that really mattered until much, much later. I realized the impact that Marilyn had on me, not when I was a youth pastor, not when I was in seminary, not when I started my church. I really began to understand the impact when I had kids that were her, uh, the, the, the Sunday school class she taught that age. As my kids, as Allie and Kyam and Piper, and later this year Haddon, as we do our discipleship dates, and I'm teaching them the same things. And as we're designing ag kids to be the deepest form of discipleship possible, and we are trying to equip parents to teach their kids to know, love, and follow Jesus together by His grace, I'm realizing, holy cow, I already have a model of this. And it was Marilyn Ellis. This, this little lady, I mean, her husband is, is a, a massive man. He's just a big old farm boy. And she's this little petite lady that I just always kind of laughed as I watched them. And, and um, this little lady had such a big impact on my life. Not because it was she was out in front, because she said something so distinct one time that stuck with me. It was the faithfulness. It was the foundations. It was the intentionality. And I began to think, what do I want for my kids to know? It's the things that she taught them. How do I want my kids to live? It's the way that she lived. How do I want uh, my, my kids to to pour their lives out for other people? It's the way she did it. And so I think it's because we're not always thinking about the most important things until we get to later seasons of our life. And we're thinking about the foundations because in our twenties and our thirties, even our twenties are these fast paced years where we're trying to figure out who we are. We've got an identity issue uh, that that started in, in like middle school and it got worse through high school, but we thought we embraced kind of who we are. It's who we wanted to be Then we get in our twenties and we start saying, okay, who am I really going to be? I'm not impressing my high school friends anymore. Um, I'm just going to embrace the things I really care about and find something that fuels me for the rest of my life. We get into our 30s and we finally get past some of the identity and into the insecurity. And we begin, okay, I, I know who I am now a little bit, but I'm insecure about it. By the time we get to our 40s, hopefully we're at this place where we embrace it and we're excited and we begin to lead. And I think it's those years where you start saying, oh man, what really matters? And what really matters aren't the the platform ministries that we could all chase after it's the foundational ministry that we're all called to at different levels. So I think the season that I'm in as a parent, the season I'm in as a pastor, the season I'm in as a leader, like I value Marilyn's example so much, so much more than I do the example of those big name leaders that I've followed and even made heroes in my life that haven't been able to be faithful for the long term, haven't poured into me intentionally. And we've seen that... that uh, that, that big ministry, it's very volatile. But what's not volatile is that faithful every day, every week grind. And God blesses that. God blesses that. Um, I hope Marilyn listens, listens to this. I'm going to send it to her. Um, and I hope she's honored by it. But more than that, I hope people hear it and say, I can and I will do that. I will dare to be Marilyn Ellis.
0: Thanks for listening to the Luke Ten Two podcast. For more information about the SIND Network in St. Louis, visit SENDSTL.com.